Good morning. It is good to gather. It is good this weekend to remember God's providence in placing us in a country where we have the freedoms that we do and to remember those who have sacrificed uh, their lives in order to preserve and to secure those freedoms for us throughout our history. So as you gather tomorrow, just take a few moments to thank God for the freedoms we have and the men and women who are willing to sacrifice for those freedoms. Um, Just a couple of uh, quick announcements. Actually, I really only have one, and that is that Bible study will not meet uh, tonight. So please uh, mark that and enjoy some time with your family. Are there any other announcements today? That's right. So we do have a pizza and game night at five next Saturday evening. So get with Michelle um, and let her know if you're planning on attending. Anything else? All right. If not, uh, in your bulletin is the call to worship and the rest of our service. Our call to worship today comes from one of the Psalms of Ascent. Psalm 128. These are a group of Psalms, excuse me, that the people of God would have sung to themselves as they were heading toward Jerusalem, as they were walking through the valleys, as they were walking through the canyons, and and heading to that place where they could finally ascend to Jerusalem and to the temple in order to worship for one of their three feasts of the year. This is one of the psalms that they would sing to themselves to comfort themselves, to remind them of God's blessing and protection as they went through the valleys and the dangerous places. So let us be called to worship through Psalm 128. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem, and may you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Let us bow our heads and pray. O great God who blesses his people, we thank you that we have been grafted to the true vine. As we have gathered together in the place of worship, in this place to worship you, we are reminded that our worship would be nothing without Jesus, for he is the vine and we are the branches. Remind us of the blessings that come to those who wait patiently for you and walk with you in all your precepts. Grant us the strength and mercy of your presence so that we may rest in you and be filled. And remind us that as you hear our prayers, you do answer. And so we pray to you as you have taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we have read from the Psalms of God's blessing upon those who fear the Lord, now we have the opportunity to sing of it. So please take Bible songs and turn to number 272, Blessing and Piety. God blesses those who walk with him. So let us stand and sing Bible song 272.
Please be seated. Piety is that act of walking with God and following his precepts. And yet we walk under the weariness of our sins. And our Lord Jesus Christ says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Our Lord Jesus is gentle. He is humble and he does not judge us as we deserve. And he has made a way for us to find peace and forgiveness with God. And part of that peace comes through confessing and repenting. So let us join together now and confess our sins. Almighty and merciful God, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our hearts. We have offended against your own laws. Those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare those who confess their faults. Restore those who are penitent according to your promises. Christ Jesus, our Lord. And grant, O merciful God, for his sake, that we may live a holy, just, and humble life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Hear these words of assurance from Jesus that give us the comfort that we have been forgiven. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Hebrews. Uh, The Hebrews chapter 10 will begin in verse 19 and read through verse 25. This is the beginning of a section called a call to persevere. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, But let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The grass withers, the flowers fail, but the word of our Lord stands forever. In the Old Testament, the Israelites brought the first fruits of their harvest to the temple as an act of trust and worship. Bringing the first fruits showed their reliance upon God to bring the rest of the harvest, and their humility stated, and their humble state as stewards of what God has given. We do the same. We show our trust and our worship by bringing to God the tithes and offerings that we have. So please prayerfully consider how God would have you give today. Oh, great and giving God, 
You have provided for us out of your bounty and your goodness. You have called us to be stewards of what you have given, and part of that stewardship is bringing our tithes and offerings in trust and in worship. May you reward our worship by showing us how you use these funds to proclaim the good news of your gospel to us and to a watching world. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Please be seated. This is the last Sunday of the month, and on the last Sunday of the month, we typically do congregational requests in the middle of hymn. And so you have the spiritual life songs, you have Bible songs, and the hymn book. So what shall we sing? Just go straight to 26 in the back and be done. <laughs> Start with 73 and then we'll do 91, both in the red and spiritual life. So 73. Is that right, Shelby? 73? <laughs> You've opened it there before, apparently. So. All right, let's sing first and last of Love Lifted Me.
What else? 66. 66 in the same book. Alright, in the garden, we'll sing first and last of 66 in spiritual life.
Yes. A couple, Bob, a couple years ago at Synod when we went to Pennsylvania, they, they have a new ARP Psalter that came about 10 years ago, and they have several versions of this particular psalm. Well, much like now when I came up, tried to come up a verse early, I wasn't paying complete attention when we started singing it, and they ran off on a different tune. And I just kept rolling right on with 26 in the back while everybody else in the room was singing a different tune. So, yeah. So, and that is, that is good that we sing those psalms. That's Psalm 148 in particular that we sing. And it's good to, as I've mentioned before, to sing those, to internalize them, and to be able to, uh, while we may not have Scripture memorized, we can sing it. And we have it in our head and in our mind. And the other thing that's good for us to have in our head and in our mind is uh, the truths of the Scripture, not only the Scripture themselves, but summaries of the truth. And so we have that summary in the Apostles' Creed. So Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. As we go to the Lord in prayer, please continue to keep Cohen Bramley in your prayers. Um, he's developed some thyroid issues on top of everything else he has going on, so please continue to pray for him and for his family. Also, um, be praying for Suzanne Sereno. She has a pretty severe sinus and bronchitis infection right now, so please pray for her for healing. Uh, continue to pray for Barry for his uh, heart and that uh, God would strengthen him in that, and for Kermit as well as they uh, um, are looking at treatment and moving forward with treatment options for his cancer. Any other prayer requests? Doug and Susan Dodd. How's Natalie doing? She's 
Okay. All right. You keep the graduates in your prayers as they celebrate graduation and then look forward to what to a summer and then see what comes next. So please continue to pray for them. Anything else? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our great and triune God, you have declared to us in your word that you are God and that you are God alone. Oftentimes we pursue the gods of pleasure and and science and distraction and relationship, yet you are the only true God. And you are the one God in three persons. You are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And each person is equal in their divinity, yet separate in their persons. We praise you for being one God in three persons. God the Father, you sit enthroned in the heavens. From that throne, your majesty and your glory shine and spread throughout the whole earth, throughout the whole of creation. The weight of your holiness rests on all creation in such a way that all creatures must bow down before you when confronted with that holiness, with your presence. Even the angelic beings who constantly circle your throne must cover their eyes and their feet to shield themselves from your holiness. Those creatures move your throne anywhere throughout the cosmos, showing your omnipresence, showing your sovereignty. You are the God who rules from on high, doing whatever pleases you and brings you glory. Lord Father, we praise you. God the Son, you are co-equal with the Father and are full of true divinity. Everything that makes God, God is yours. You are also truly human, along with being truly God. Jesus of Nazareth, you were born of a human and walked this earth. And as Jesus was born and grew and lived and worked and gathered disciples and taught and healed, you were tempted in the same ways that we are, yet without sin. You, truly God and truly human, Jesus of Nazareth, died on the cross so that the sins of those who are called can be forgiven. And after raising from the dead, you ascended into heaven where you rule the kingdom of God and intercede for your people. The glory of God is yours because you are God. And the hope of our glorification is secure because you are truly human and glorified. Lord, the Son, we praise you. And God, the Holy Spirit, you are co-equal with the Father and the Son, truly God and worthy of honor and praise. You call those to belief who are predestined by the Father and redeemed by the Son. You strengthen for sanctification those who have had their records expunged and have been reconciled to the Father. You inspired the prophets and the apostles as they wrote the Bible, and you have preserved those scriptures through the generations. You guide the words of the under-shepherds and help us grow in love and understanding of God. Lord, we praise you. O great and triune God, we beg forgiveness for seeking after the gods we think can replace you. We turn away from those things that leave us empty and ask that you would keep us on the path of love and wisdom. May we seek your glory and your honor rather than our own and live lives that are marked by the holiness that you have given. Thank you for all that you have done for us and done in our lives. Thank you for the homes, the cars, and the jobs that we have. Thank you for the redemption and reconciliation through the work of your Son and your Spirit. Thank you for placing us in this family, a family of adopted sons and daughters who are here to encourage and to be encouraged. And Lord, we lift before you today our prayers and our requests. We think of Cohen and his family once again. We ask for your mercy and your will be done in that situation. Bring him strength. Help his body and the medications to do their work. And be with his family as well. Give them strength to bear up under the doctor's visits, the hospital stays, and caring for a sick, sick child. We pray for Doug and Susan Dodd and ask that you would lift them up and strengthen them and and remind them of your glorious presence with them in the midst of whatever they are going through. We know that you are there. We know that you are present. And we ask that you would fill them with the strength and the glory of that presence. We pray for Barry and ask that you would give him wisdom as he discusses with doctors his ongoing care. And we ask that you would strengthen him and and strengthen his heart and be with his family as well as they walk with him. 
Lord, we pray for Natalie and for her cancer. And Lord, we, we look at Natalie and Cohen and, and oftentimes we think, why, O oh Lord? And we think we deserve an answer. And yet the answer is that you are glorious and that you can be trusted and that you will give peace no matter the circumstance to those who love you and are called according to your good purposes. And so, Lord, in these dark times for these young people, we do ask that you remind them of the glory of your sovereignty, the glory of your trustworthiness, and the fact that you are a God who can be trusted in all good things, in all bad things as well. We pray for Kermit and ask that you would lift him up and and Linda as well. Strengthen them as they make decisions regarding treatment, decisions regarding travel. And Lord, we ask that you would walk alongside them. Show them your glory in this situation. Grow their love for each other and, and be remind them that you are their God and they are the sheep of your pasture. We pray for Suzanne as well and ask that you would lift her up, that you would strengthen her, that you would uh, bring healing to her and, and be with Hudson, her grandson, and Ellie, her daughter as well as they seek to care for her and care for each other as she is ill. And look after them, Lord, and touch their lives in a special way with the glory of your strength and the glory of your presence. Lord, we lift up Janie and Bob and Katie and all the other people who are on our prayer list, Lord, and we ask that you would fill them with your strength, fill them with your grace, fill them with your goodness in such a way that they grow in their confidence in you, that they grow in their reliance upon you, and that they grow in their trust upon in you. Lord, I pray for the leaders of this church. I pray for our elders, Bob and Jerry and Chris, and ask that you continue to give them wisdom, continue to lead them as, as they seek to lead this church for your glory and for your honor. For our deacons, Lord, for Kevin, for Janet and for Betty, I pray that you would give them eyes to see needs that need to be met, give them wisdom as they deal with the physical Uh, plant of the church and help them as they minister in this community and in this church uh, and and seek to meet the physical needs of both of those. I pray for the ministries of this church. I I pray for Mitchell as well. His ministry is an army chaplain. Uh, I pray that you would give him wisdom as he deals with uh, the, the men and women in uniform as he seeks to bring your gospel and your glory to them. I ask that you would strengthen him and give him words that honor you and glorify you and proclaim your truth. And Lord, for the persecuted church around the world, for those who do not have the freedom to gather as we do, and yet still gather, sometimes in the secret of homes, sometimes in the secret of the woods, sometimes uh, just in, in families, having to mouth the words of the songs and the scriptures Um, so that they won't be heard by neighbors and turned in to authorities. I pray that their witness would shine into the darkness of their world and that their their testimony toward you, both in their words and in their life and their faith in you, regardless of the circumstances, would change the hearts of their oppressors. Lord, I ask that you change the hearts of the people in this country long before we get to that place here. And help us to live lives that so proclaim your goodness and your love that their hearts are changed by the power of your spirit and they are drawn to you and to love you and to be changed by you. Lord, we know that there are many others that we have not mentioned. And so we ask that you meet each of them as best glorifies you. And as you work your will in their lives, be glorified in all that you do. We lift to you your church, this church. Give us the boldness to honor and glorify you above all things. Give us the desire to share your gospel mercies with the communities around us. Give the church abroad the strength to bear up and to be effective witnesses for you. O great and triune God, we thank you for hearing and for answering our prayers. Help us to fully trust and rely that your answers are good and glorify you in those answers. And Father, we pray to you in the name of the Son, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please take your Bibles in hand and and turn with me to the Gospel of John. 
We are going to look at a couple verses. Uh, actually, we're going to look at uh, a couple different passages today, um, beginning in John chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 21, but it's good for us to remember that this is in the middle of Jesus' discussion with the woman at the well, that Samaritan woman. As he approaches her and, and seeks to confront her with her life and her need for living water rather than just the water from the well that she would have to come back and draw again, she constantly tries to deflect him into other areas. And at this point, she's trying to deflect him into a theological argument over worship and how we are to worship. And so Jesus answers her deflection with these words from John chapter 4, beginning in verse 21. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Let us pray. God of glory and might, thank you for giving us your word and this church. Through your word and the church, we are encouraged and built up in the knowledge of you. This growing knowledge leads to an increase of trust in you and in your promises. As we know you more, we trust you more. And as we trust you more, we desire to know you more and we grow in our trust of you. Thank you for the cycle of knowledge and trust that comes through your word. Our growing knowledge and trust also lead us to greater love for you and for each other. As we understand the depths of your grace and mercy, we are drawn to each other more and more. Our love for each other shows itself in the encouragement we give and get and in the service we are willing to take on for each other. As we look at your word today and learn about worship, Help us to grow in our knowledge, our trust, and our love. In Jesus' precious name, amen. As we talked about last week, about the poison of alcohol in particular, and about the poison of pursuing other things to fill us and to fill our needs, the needs that we think we have, we, we did so in, in the language of worship. Solomon in that particular passage talks about how Whenever we pursue something other than God to help us in those situations that we think the things of this world will dull or take away from us, we end up worshiping them. We end up turning to them as our God, as our idol. And so I thought today what we would talk about specifically is that is the idea of what is worship and what does Jesus mean when he talks to the lady, the woman at the well, about worshiping in spirit and in truth. And so today, as we take some time to talk about worship, we're going to look at what worship is and what our focus of our worship should be, both in public worship and in private worship. First, let us answer the question, what is worship? Now, many of us have different ideas when we think about the word worship. We're going to just look at two just for sake of example here. Some people think of worship as the singing time of our services when we gather together. Many churches that gather today, and, and this is just a statement, this is not a, a critique or a criticism of, of how they order their worship, but many churches that gather today will have a time of singing, anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. And they will consider that time of singing that opens the service their time of worship. And then they will have some signal in their service that the time of worship is over and we move to the time of teaching. And we might worship a little bit more after the teaching and before the preacher gives the blessing or benediction to send us on our way. Other people, and this is the camp I would fall into, view the entire service between the call to worship and the benediction, including the call to worship and the benediction, to be a worship service. All of what we do between the time I say, let us read the scripture for the call to worship and the time I say, amen, after saying, come quickly, Lord Jesus, is our time of worship. That's why certain things happen before the call to worship and certain things happen after the benediction because this is a time set apart for worship and it includes everything from the call to worship, the singing, the confession, the reading of scripture, the prayers, more singing, 
the giving of tithes and offerings, and yes, the reading and teaching of the word are encompassed in our corporate worship. But I want us to talk about what is worship fully and completely, because while it's not wrong to talk about what we do here when we gather on Sunday morning as worship, it is not the full meaning of worship. In the Ligonier devotional table talk, there's always a part in the daily readings off on the side in the margin that it is labeled Coram Deo, which is a Latin phrase which means living life in the face of God. If you subscribe to Table Talk, you know they actually translate that for you below it. And what this section does is it usually applies, gives us application for what has been given in the teaching section, but it reminds us of something is that we live every moment, every second, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 some odd days a year. We live our lives in the presence of God. And that means something. That means that we are to move and to live and to have our being according to his will and according to worship. Every moment of our life, because we are created to worship, every moment of our life, We are worshiping something or someone. That someone should be God, but oftentimes it is not. And that's where the idea of confession and repentance comes in. But what does it mean to worship God, whether corporately or in our day-to-day life? Well, there are at least three words within the Old Testament that are translated worship. And I think if we look at their definitions, we can come to what a a good, solid definition is. Of worship is. The first word or word group literally means to bow down. If we lived in a country that had an absolute monarch, not a constitutional monarchy like our, our friends across the sea, across the pond in Britain, but an absolute monarchy, whenever that king came walking, walking down the road, or even oftentimes when you'd see the statue of the king that was placed there to remind you who was truly in charge of your life, you would literally bow down to the ground in in humility and in worship. And that's what the first word group that is used within the Old Testament and is translated worship means. It literally means to bow down. Now, when applied to God and to us, it doesn't literally mean the the physical act of bowing down. If it did, we would spend all of our lives on our face, on the ground, Uh, because we are constantly and totally in the presence of the sovereign, authoritative king. But God doesn't, is not merely concerned with our physical activity. He's concerned with our heart as well. And so this idea of worship linked to bowing down is the idea of grateful submission to God. We are called to joyfully accept God's will and to trust his sovereignty in our lives. God gives us his law, and this will bleed over into the next one, but God gives us his law and he expects us to follow it. God says that he is to be glorified above all things, and he expects us to set aside our glory and to glorify him. And so we are to be gratefully submitted to God in all things. Now, there's a problem. In our natural state, in our natural bent and our desires, we have a heart that is dead to gratefully submitting to God. We literally need an act of God for us to be able to do this. The Holy Spirit has to come in. He has to change our hearts, change it from that heart of dead stone to a heart of living flesh that is that desires and wants and is reconciled to God and it wants to be gratefully submitted to him. Now the second word group we talked on, touched on this just a little bit, means service to God. God gave his law to the Israelites so that they would know how to serve him, both in their worship, in their civil life, and also in their uh, communal and relational life. Um, God called a people to him in order to serve him. And so worship means that we follow God's law and we do that very thing. We serve him as we submit to God, as we submit to his law, we seek to obey and to serve him. In fact, what did Jesus tell his disciples would be the mark of love that they would have as they grew in knowledge and trust in him? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
And so that love or that worship is shown to God as we seek to serve him and obey the commandments. And the third word is a word that we've looked at throughout the book of Proverbs, but it is a word that literally means reverence or respect. It's do we think highly enough of God? Do we think highly of God, period? Do we think of God, period? We could go one step further. Do we think, but that's a different sermon. Do we have a healthy mix of fear and respect for who God is and for his glory? Consider Isaiah chapter six, the call of Isaiah. Language is echoed in Revelation four and five. Isaiah is transported into the throne room of God. He sees the weight of God's holiness. He sees the fullness of God's glory there in the throne room. He looks at the throne and all he can see is bright, blinding light. And that glory and that holiness. And what's the first thing he does? Hey, what's up? How you doing? No, no, no. That's what we're tempted to do when we are confronted with the holiness of God. He falls flat on his face. And he says, oh, woe is me. I deserve to be completely unwoven and unraveled as a human being. I deserve to cease to exist because I am a man of unclean lips. For one aspect of his sin, the, the, the false words that come from his mouth, he deserved to be undone in the holiness, in the presence of, excuse me, in the presence of God. But what do we do when we are confronted with the holiness of God in the scriptures? What do I do? What do you do? We read that passage in there. We we read of the angelic beings constantly hovering around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. We we are confronted with the reality that as God speaks, as the angels speak, the holiness of God, the throne room and the earth shakes in awe of that holiness. And we just keep reading, hoping to get done with our reading for the day so we can get on with our lives. Do we have a reverential fear of God? Are we awed by God? Everything in our world is awesome anymore. And yet God is the only thing that is awesome So we have these three definitions, grateful submission to God, service to God and reverence or respect for God. And if we we take these three things together and put them together, we can learn that worship is reverent, obedient submission to God and his will. This is oftentimes what Solomon means in Proverbs when he says the fear of the Lord. It's a reverent, obedient submission to God and to his will. We are to look at the scriptures. We are to understand like Isaiah that we deserve to be disintegrated by God because of our sins. We deserve to be undone for even the smallest of our sins. For one teeny tiny aspect of our sins, we deserve to be undone. And yet God provided a way for reconciliation and salvation so that we might not be undone, but we might be redeemed. And because we understand the depth of our sin and the even deeper depths of God's grace, we love and serve and obey and submit to him and to his will. And then he becomes the ultimate focus of our life. That is how that is the attitude in which we should live our entire life. And we have the heart for that. If we are truly called and truly converted, the good news is that we have a heart that wants that very thing. We have a want that we have a heart that wants to be reverent to God. We have a heart that wants to be obedient. We have a heart that wants to submit to God and to his will. But the hard part, as Paul told us in Romans seven, is that we have this this evil fleshly man that we are still clothed with is the metaphor he uses oftentimes. And there's a battle to take off that e- those evil fleshly desires that want what we want, not what God wants. And we fight and we wrestle and, and our life is lived 
in that constant battle of wanting to reverently obey and submit to God and his will and having to repent because we don't. And yet God continues to love us. He continues to to draw us to him. He continues to call us back to faithfulness, back to repentance, back to reverent, obedient submission to himself and to his will. But we should live our lives in that thought that am I revering God? Am I obeying God? Am I submitting to God and to his will in this moment? That's what it means to worship God. And he's given us two things that we typically call worship to help us in that. The first is corporate worship, what we do right here today. Everything that we do in this place is to be set apart as reverent, as obedient, as submissive to God and to his will. And we are here because God commands us to, and we are here because it is the gathering together in God's presence of his saints that helps to strengthen and encourage us in our walk of wisdom. How many people do you know that right now today are making the excuse that, you know what, I can commune with God in nature, on the golf course, in my bed, at the football game. Well, not the football game right now. I guess it's baseball season. At the baseball game, I can commune with God in all these places. There is a little bit of truth with that. But we are commanded to gather together. Our New Testament reading from earlier from Hebrews chapter 10 says, do not neglect the gathering together. It is in this space that we learn to worship. It is in this space that we encourage each other as we leave to worship. In fact, the Westminster Confession of Faith and its chapter on the perseverance of saints says that corporate worship is one of the ways that we are strengthened to persevere towards holiness and worship in the rest of our lives. Why are you here? Why are you in this place today? Did you come hoping to get something or did you come to worship? If you came hoping to get something and hoping to get something alone, oftentimes you will miss the mark. But if you came hoping to worship, to to say to, to God and to the rest of us by being here today that I'm coming apart, I'm coming away from the cares of my life. I'm coming to revere, to honor and to submit to God. Well, as a whole bunch of people get together to do that very thing, we will find that each of us are encouraged to do that very thing together. And I think oftentimes that's why we sing Psalm 26 in the, or Bible song 26 in the back so loudly and so boldly. Because as we realize that each of us are here to worship God, our worship is transformed into something that through Christ is glorious and is beautiful. And we lift each other up. And as we hear one person singing, knowing what they're going through, knowing that they are here to worship God, we lift them up. As we see the person throughout the prayer and the sermon struggling to stay awake, but we know what they're going through and they are trying so hard to learn from God, we are encouraged to 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 learn and to worship as well. When we see the people that we know are struggling financially are still giving of their tithes and offerings, seeking to worship God, we are encouraged to worship God with our tithes and with our offerings. And as we see people willing to set apart time in their busy, busy lives to come before God and to show publicly their reverent, obedient submission to him, we are encouraged to obey as well. And that leads us to the second part of our worship that helps build us up which is, excuse me, which is our private worship, our family worship. When the pastors and theologians gathered in the 1600s to to write the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Westminster Larger and Shorter Catechisms, they didn't stop there. They gave us two directories of worship, a directory of public worship, which which uh, governs the ARP's directory of worship, which which gives us the elements that we have in our worship service. It tells us how to what needs to be there for orderly and decent worship. But the Westminster Divines also wrote a directory for private and family worship that encourages us to remember God's awesomeness, encourages us to remember that we are to submit to God. 
And that, that weekly, that daily private and family worship should help us refocus on a daily basis before we gather on the weekly basis in the corporate worship. It should help us focus on a daily basis on that reverent, obedient submission to God and to his will. Do you worship privately? At minimum, you should be reading the Bible yourself and with your family, whatever that family looks like. At minimum, you should be studying the word and doing a devotional together. If you feel so led and are so inclined, singing can be part of your family worship as well. We have so many resources online today to where you don't have to necessarily know how to play an instrument to be able to sing in your home. You can follow along with somebody who is singing a hymn on the internet or or on your phone, which I know is connected to the internet. Do we pray together as families and not, I love my dad, he loved the Lord, but I've almost forgotten it, but not quite. Uh, God and Father, we thank you for this food. Please bless it to our bodies, amen. That was the extent oftentimes of the prayer in our household. I knew my dad prayed. I knew my mom prayed. I kind of prayed sometimes. But do you pray with your children, with your spouse? Do you pray on your own within your home? Do you do the things within your home that remind you that as you leave your home, that your mind should be tuned to reverent and submissive obedience to God? That is what worship is. It is living a life that is totally and completely in tune to reverent, obedient submission to God and to his will. So I encourage you today, our our corporate worship should carry over into our private lives. Our corporate worship should bubble over into our family lives, into our work lives, into our play lives, into every aspect of our lives to remember that we are called to revere, that we are called to submit, and that we are called to obey the Lord our God. Because living life in the face of God is doable in the power of the Spirit through the work of the Son so that we can focus on God and His will for our lives each and every moment of every day. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for worship. We thank you that you have given us the ability and the desire to turn to you to seek you above all things and to offer our worship to you. Lord, as we leave this place, help us to not forget the lessons that we have learned. As we leave this place, help us to work toward tuning our minds to continually be reverent, obedient, and submissive to you as we seek to live a life that is lived in the face, in the sight of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your hymn book, the maroon book there before you, and turn to hymn number 515, God of our fathers. We, our founding fathers, uh, most of them were members of churches, and it is God's providence that brought them together. It is God's providence that helped them put together the documents that are the foundation of our society. But even further back, God is the father of Abraham. God is the father of Adam and Eve. Our spiritual fathers as well were guided by God's hand. So let us stand and proclaim that truth by singing hymn number 515, God of our fathers.
are called to live all of our life as a worship in the sight of God. And as you do that, as you seek to do that, take this blessing from Paul in Galatians. As for all who walk by the fear of the Lord, peace and mercy be upon you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. And as we struggle in this world to live a life of worship under the persecution and the hateful eye of the enemy, we, we cry out, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.